and we are kicking off episode number nine here on the Let's Be Frank video podcast. I am Jason Douay, and we are very excited to have this show for you tonight. We have high school and college football recaps and previews in our Football 101 segment. Coach Monica is going to break down screen passes in his Let's Be Frank segment. He's going to talk NIL, and we also have special guest, Nickel State head football coach, Tim Rebo. We want to bring on head coach, Frank Monica, coach. Uh, season's winding down in high school, have week 10 coming up, and then you have the playoffs. And with this new playoff structure, it's going to be so many exciting games, and I can't wait to see how this is going to shake out and where teams are going to stack up and land after this final week of the season. Uh, Jason, what's happening now, game 10, there are a lot of people jockeying for positions. You know, in the select side, they only get 28 positions. And on the other side, the, the public school side, they get uh, they get uh, 24 selected, 28 on the public school side. So a lot of people are not there yet. So the guys, the lower echelon uh, uh, part of the bracket, they're going to really be fighting their buns off just to try to get in. So this will be an exciting week, and there are a lot of uh, real good matchups that we'll cover in a few minutes. Absolutely. Let's Before we dive into previews, let's go ahead and recap some of these Week 9 matchups that we had. In our prep talk segment, in our first matchup, we had Destrahan taking on East St. John on the road. Destrahan remains unbeaten. Shane Lee had a phenomenal game for the Wildcats. He broke a 41-yard run to start the game, and it seemed like that's the way the game went. You look up five minutes into the game, and Destrahan's up 21 to nothing at that point. Uh, Lee also ran for three touchdowns, but really just a complete team effort. Special teams returned to punt for a touchdown, and really dominated the game. They scored all their points in the first half. And East St. John is a, a good football team, but Destran is definitely a team that you have to be looking at to make a run to the state title, if not bring it home. They truly feel like this could be their year. They've been on the cusp so many times. And, again, understandably so. I, I completely understand why they feel like this is their team. They, they've they been exceptional all year. Yeah, Jason, uh, the word is on the street. I mean, that uh, I don't, I'd like to see the team that can beat them. Uh, I mean, if they yeah. be playing on Saturday already, but uh, I tell you, they're, they're loaded all up and down the lineup on both sides of the ball. Have a tremendous D line. They tend to look like an SEC line, but, um, but uh, they will be in the Superdome. In our next matchup, we had Curtis at Brother Martin. Curtis defeated Brother Martin 23 to 14. Curtis, again, just kind of playing bully ball as they do. Big physical lineman. They went up early and kind of held their ground against a very talented Brother Martin team. Brother Martin falls to 5-4 and four on the year, but again, don't let their record deceive you. They've been in every game, and we've talked many times about how this Catholic League is top to bottom, just a brutal district, and this game showing once again that Curtis is one of the teams to beat in that, in that Catholic League, and they're looking to be poised to make a run in this postseason. Yeah, I, I, the game was closer than the score indicates too, Jason. I think Curtis pulled away at the at the very end because Brother Martin is a very viable team. Uh, they got the Lambert kid back at running back, so uh, it's, it's, it's going to be a nightmare for somebody with whoever draws them in the playoffs. And part of that has to do with the restructuring of the playoffs that you're going to have the top teams. We, we discussed that even early on in our shows that – there's not a gimme. There's not a bye uh, unless unless you have an actual bye week. When you're playing a game, it's going to be against a quality opponent. And Brother Martin is a team that could very easily come out in maybe that middle part of the bracket and pull a, pull an upset early on. Right. 
In our next matchup, we had Rummel taking on Carr. Carr defeated Rummel 35-14. to Carr continuing to flex their muscles and prove why they are possibly the best team in the state. And as we said in weeks prior, some are calling them the best high school team they've ever seen. Well, the, the quarterback Samuel threw for three touchdown passes in that, in that ball game. That ball game was actually a little bit closer than indicated also. And uh, because two of the touchdown, two big plays, one fourth down, another other one third down. And one of the balls actually was controversial catch in the end zone uh, that, that was given the touchdown to. But Carr is very explosive. Uh, they had running back also to Jackson. He, also, he had, had 122 yards at quarterback. And so they can throw. They're so well balanced. They can beat you with the deep ball, the short ball. And more importantly, when they start to scramble to try to get Samuel down on the ground. Very explosive. Uh, uh, Rummel had, had his chances. They moved the ball quite well against Carr, but just couldn't punch it in. They missed a chip shot field goal early in the, early in the game. That actually would have closed the gap just a little bit. But Carr, I just think at the end, was, was just a much more talented football team. In our next matchup, we had Holy Cross taking on Jesuit. Jesuit pulled out the 16-12 to victory over Holy Cross. What were your thoughts on that one, Coach? Well, first of all, Holy Cross had the lead in this game for the entire entire time until the fourth quarter. They were they were up twelve nothing, and Jefferson put on a little show at the end. of quarterback Suarez he got to he got to, got things going, and he had over two hundred yards personally by running and throwing himself. So uh, Coach Manali, he likes to run first guy. They'll be very very physical. They're a team that's really they've not been blown out. They've lost ball games, but they've not been blown out in any cases against a better team. So they've been in every every game whatsoever. So uh, and uh, Holy Cross is the same way. I think Holy Cross maybe had one game that they didn't really show up, but uh, other than that, they've been in every ball game. Been very, they, they, they've, I think they're a tenacious football team, and they have a couple injuries. They got their quarterback back for a little while. So look for them to, to kind of be you know that they, they could be a team right on the cusp. Of they're going to get in or not and uh, so we'll keep an eye on that uh, this weekend either one of these teams could make a run in the playoffs and that's the scary thing about how deep the catholic league is it's very easy to look top at the top and say well they're very top heavy they have a few teams with two wins and three wins but what you have to understand is the schedules that these teams are playing week in and week out and not only within their district but out of district play has been remarkable Jesuit took on LCA in a game and nearly beat them earlier this year. Holy Cross played De La Salle and a bunch of other good teams. So both teams are very talented, and I think these are teams that you could see make a push if well, if Holy Cross can find their way in the playoffs. Moving on, we have Scotlandville taking on Catholic of Baton Rouge. Catholic won the game 38 to nothing. Catholic is just an exceptional ball club. They're going to be a lot to handle for anybody in that select side of the bracket. Scotlandville has a lot of talent as well. Don't let that school that score fool you. Very talented ball club, but Catholic has kind of found their way over the past few seasons to continue to build that snowball effect, as you talked about many times, Coach, to build and grow as the season goes on. And they have a ton of athletes on that ball club, including that five-star receiver in Sampson. And they're going to be a lot to handle in that select side of the bracket. They're, they're just deep. They're just they're really a deep team. Uh, traditionally, they've been deep. Uh, they have a lot of skill, and they have the they, they have the best I think um, of all of both of best of both worlds. They have a real good linemen, real good skill, very very good coaching. Uh, they have a system in place. Hard to defeat them. 
just a just a huge, huge, massive football team in terms of numbers and size. So I mean, uh, it's going to take a heck of a team to beat them, and they're excellent on special teams, I might add. In our final recap, we had St. Charles Catholic taking on Country Day. The Comets defeated the Cajuns thirty-five to fourteen. Coach, a, a big win for St. Charles in that game, trying to get healthy at the right time in the season, trying to peak. And of course, they got a big they got a big matchup this week. But uh, what were your thoughts on this matchup they had with Country Day? Well, I think the the, the, the secret word was Othamon. Uh, when uh, when Aiden Othamon came back at the quarterback position, it gave them another weapon, and it also gave them and, and Brady St. Pierre had done a great job there. Brady's more of a thrower and a pocket guy. But what Aiden gives you, he gives you the running aspect of it. And it showed because he scored three touchdowns, almost had a fourth touchdown in the ball game. So he brings that element. Plus, Samari Scott was back. So that was another weapon they had along with Sturgis on offense. So they went from, they went, they, they, they actually expanded their, their weaponry, you can so to speak. Plus on defense, um, uh, they, they, they got Michael back and, and it was really, really good to have, have him because he's played linebacker, he's played safety. Uh, and then they had two D linemen. Britton Dean came back, uh, the, so the, he was a he was a big big catalyst for him. So, uh, but I will say this: early in the game, the first drive, Country Day was driving the ball down the field, got down inside the thirty yard line, and had a snap over the head, and and uh, Barrios just outran him the quarterback to the ball and that stopped a big drive because they were eating up the clock. They were, they were snapping the ball with two seconds left on the clock, trying to slow the game down. But uh, every time St. Charles had an opportunity, their offense took over and, and that took the game over. So it was just too many numbers uh, against a uh, country days number. But one thing I just said, Coach Chetta did a phenomenal job. He only had 20-something kids dressed out, but they did a phenomenal job against St. Against Charles as far as their technique. Uh, their game plan and everything. Uh, they could scare some people because they have a little running back. That's excellent. He's about as fine a running back as you you want to see in high school. Coach, I got a chance to watch him. I called the Newman Country Day game a few weeks ago, and he is he's a smaller back, but he's so physical. He's a very talented running back. He's got the burners, but he's not afraid of, to shy away from contact. He's right. he's a guy who can definitely make some things happen in the playoffs and Again, once you get to the playoffs, it's the second season. All bets are off. While we're talking about things to come, let's go ahead and take a look at our Week 10 previews, and we'll start where we left off. St. Charles Catholic heads on the road to Newman. This is a one-versus-two matchup in the select side. Uh, St. Charles, as we talked about, looking to get healthy and peaking at the right time of the season. Newman's kind of been an unstoppable force all season. Their only loss was to top-ranked Manny. In the uh, public school side of the bracket, but a, a very talented ball club, of course, led by Arch Manning. But both sides of the football, their defense bends, doesn't break, and their offense can score points in bunches. I tell you, this game is exciting because there will be a butt on every number at the Newman Stadium for sure. And uh, so, you know, I talked to both coaches this week. And they both said the same thing. It looks like it's the power ranking will not change after this game very much. It looks like Newman's still going to be one. But it's exciting from the standpoint that it's been a, a district rivalry. It's been a rivalry even though they didn't play for district honors at some time. Um, they just played as a regular game. But uh, Coach Stewart does a great job. Coach Stein, is, you know, Coach Coach Stewart is a, basically an offensive guy, and Coach Stein basically a defensive guy. And but the key to this, I think, is really, is going to be St. Charles's offense against Newman's defense. So that's going to be an interesting story there. And uh, because last year was a very very low scoring game, and everybody anticipated a lot of points and. 
St. Charles had to have a long, long drive, a 85-yard drive at the end of the game, a two-minute offense to, to actually win it. So I, I don't see this one being any different. I mean, you've got, you got stars on both sides. St. Charles is coming back relatively healthy. They've still got a couple of people that are out. And Newman's uh, is without one, their big tight end, uh, the Randall kid. So, but, uh, but I think the rest of the players in the hype, they come from this game from the very beginning. It's going to be exciting to watch. Should be a fun one to watch for sure. Curtis takes on Carr in our next matchup. Two very talented ball clubs. We've been kind of waiting and sitting back for this game to happen. We know, uh, I, I think, up front, this is going to be a fun game to watch because we know the line that Curtis has and we know that Carr continues to pump out talented offensive and defensive linemen. But I think it's going to be a, fa- a fascinating matchup from the X and O's aspect as much as the athletes on the field. You know, not only the scary team, I mean, realize they need to, needed to win to help their, their seed in the playoffs. And that's also a very, very, uh, I think, very controversial right now. A lot of coaches are watching. Wait a minute. We know where Catholic High is going to fall. We pretty much know where Curtis is going to fall. But where's Carr going to fall? You know, because there could be a team just like Acadian was years ago, lower down in the bracket, but yet getting a, getting somebody to not only ambush them, but to knock them out of the playoffs completely. So, uh, But this game is going to be, you know, a, a veer offense that uh, it's a ball control offense that Curtis doesn't have to do to keep the car jugging out of an offense off the field. But don't forget, car can play defense too, so and they can run to the ball. Uh, but uh, listen, in, in, the, the special teams is going to go to Curtis. The offense will probably go to Carr. The defense is going to be up in the air. I think the explosive plays, whatever team gets the most explosive plays, plays over 25 yards, would be the, would be the winner. And to piggyback off of your point, currently Curtis is ranked third in Division One select, Carr ranked 13th. And that's, I mean, you know what that reminds me of? I think we've talked about this before. There was a few years back um, when I was in college, I covered a game. I think it was in 2010. Acadiana had a few players suspended uh, or they had to forfeit a few games. And they, I think it was like, they were like the 27th seed or the 30th seed and they got to take on. They had to take on East St. John in re, in reserve, and it was it was a rough night for the Wildcats. But I mean, that's kind of the way things shake out sometimes when those things play out that way. Uh, in our next matchup is a rivalry game: Jesuit taking on Rummel. Jesuit sitting at twenty in the power ratings. Rummel sitting at eleven. Big rivalry game. We're talking about the importance of where you fall in the brackets. Uh, could see a little bit of movement here, but Jesuit might maybe like to move up a few spots if they can try to pull out a big win over Rommel. You never count Jesuit out. They're, they're just so sound of a program. They have a lot of players. Uh, they're well coached, and they, they will compete. They will compete to the very, very end. Uh, so never count them out. I think Rommel has an outside chance maybe to move up and, and try to work in one of those bias positions. So there's a lot of stake in this in this ball game. Big rivalry. They'll be playing at Southeastern on Friday night. So um, they, they, they slotted at the end. It seemed like it wasn't open early enough for them on, on Saturday to get this thing in to the LHSAA. But uh, it's going gonna, it's gonna to be a war out there. In our next matchup, we have Lakeshore taking on Franklinton. This district title's on the line in this one, and it's it's going to be a fascinating Division Two non-select game. Currently, Lakeshore is ranked 13th, Franklinton ranked 17th. So once again, jockeying for position. Plus, you have those district titles on that district title on the line. 
this should be an interesting matchup between a program that's been very competitive in Lakeshore as of late and Franklinton, who's really trying to rebuild and, and gain some steam moving forward. You know, both teams uh, are having first-time coaches. And uh, so this is for the district championship. Don't count Franklin out. Uh, they will be there. They, they're very athletic. They played a real tough pre-district schedule. Um, Coach Indes over there at Lakeshore seemed early in the year. He lost a ball game and he lost another against St. Stanislaus later, but it looks like he's got that wing T offense rolling pretty good right now. So, and you know, in one week's time and just three or four practices, it's hard to get ready for a wing T offense. So, uh, look for this one, look for this one to be a heck of a football game for the championship. In our next matchup, we have East St. John taking on Holy Cross. East St. John maybe reeling a little bit from that rough loss against Destrahan. They still currently sit at eight in Division One non-select side of the bracket. They're eight and one ball club. Holy Cross ranked 23rd in the Division One select side, two and seven. The one thing is East St. John can't be caught napping. They can't be licking their wounds from last week. You have to look forward because this Holy Cross team, regardless of the record, as we talked about earlier, is a quality football team and they're trying to get their way into the playoffs and it's a big matchup for both of these teams. Now, Jason, you're exactly right. Listen, um, East St. John's schedule compared to Holy Cross's schedule is really, there's no comparison. Uh, Holy Cross has played some of the best in, in the state. Uh, they played a lot of people toe-to-toe. Uh, they actually should have a better record than what they do have. They've had a multitude of injuries, but they can line up a very, very good, very good football team. If East St. John doesn't come to play, that this this could this really could be a trap game for them. So uh, even East, East St. John might might be a lot more talented, but Holy Cross is a very very physical team. In our last high school preview, we have Brother Martin taking on St. Aug, and again looking at those power ratings, St. Aug is in the four slot with six and two record. Brother Martin is fourteen at five and four. I don't know if Brother Martin would be able to jump into one of those buys, but maybe get themselves a little bit better position. But St. Aug has been a very good football team all season. Ton of athletes on the field. And it's going to be interesting to see if Brother Martin can, who's been in every game. Brother Martin's record is also another, another deceiving one. They're five and four, but truthfully, a few plays go the other way. They could be, you know, uh, they could have seven wins or even eight wins at this point. So fascinating to see how this one plays out. Whenever you face a prolific offense, you need to do, your offense needs to be the defense. Your offense needs to control the ball and keep give them less at bats. And that's the case in Brother Morton. Brother Morton's offense needs to run the Lambert kid, keep keep St. Aug's offense off the field because they, St. Aug is very explosive. They can run or throw it, and their receivers after the catch can really really go. So that's the biggest thing. But what St. Aug has been prone to a lot of uh, turnovers. So if Brother Martin cannot turn it over and force them to do, they could be in this ball game, and it, it, this could be a, a big upset for them. But uh, St. Aug on, on paper looks like the team that the, the, the team that that should win the game. St. Aug is definitely one of the teams to beat in Division One select side of the bracket. And we're just one week away, Coach, from looking at that lineup. And I can't wait to sit there and pick out some of these previews with you for next week when we have these slates of games. And I don't know the last time I've been this excited to see the playoffs uh, for high school football, about seven or eight years because of the way it's been structured. So Division hats off to the LHSA for, for changing things, Coach, because I'm really excited for Ron Brutal. 
it's going to be actually brutal in Division One because there are a lot of teams down at the lower part of the bracket. There'll be some upsets on the very first week, and and because uh, because of the schedule that they've played, you know. So it'll be fun to see who gets in at the bottom. And we're going to move forward to some local college football recaps and previews, mostly previews because both the Tigers and the Green Wave were on a bye. In our first matchup, we have Alabama taking on LSU. Coach, this is the game that all fans circle on the calendar, not only just in Louisiana, but around the country. More NFL prospects on the field in this game than some teams have, you know, combined over the course of a season get to see. And I think when you look at this matchup, of course, Alabama is favored in this game, and rightfully so. They are the benchmark in college football at the moment. They have been for quite some time. LSU's offense has been rolling, but they can't come out slow out the gates against Alabama. You were able to pull it off against Auburn. You were able to do it against Ole Miss. You were able to do it in weeks past. But if LSU comes out the gates slow and they find themselves in a 17-3 hole or a 14 to nothing hole, it could be insurmountable. And I think LSU has the capability to hang with Bama, we saw AM was able to do it earlier this season, but you can't come out the gate slow. If you do, then you're going to be in a heck of a lot of trouble. Well, I think the LSU found themselves offensively on a zone read package. Uh, they give him the quarterback, and, and Daniels, I think, is a great runner. I've said that from the very beginning. I do think he's a little suspect as a thrower. Uh, he, he's got natural arm strength, but it's not, his touch on the ball is somewhat lacking. Uh, but on the flip side, you're facing a wounded football team. And uh, we're going to see how hungry they come to Tiger Stadium. And uh, don't, don't sell Nick Saban's short. I don't believe he has the team that he's had in the future. He certainly doesn't have the defense he's had in the past years. And I don't know if he has a championship caliber defense right now. Uh, but he's got the guy by the name of Will Anderson up there that's been a Heisman candidate for a long, long time. He's hard to block. But I don't know if they have enough in the secondary. But uh, I, don't, I, I look for, for Alabama to come out, come out ripping and snoring. And I, think, I don't know if LSU's ready yet for this particular level of competition. It's going to be a tough matchup regardless. LSU has been notoriously terrible against Alabama at home throughout history. And it, history definitely doesn't favor them in that aspect. Uh, but we'll see how things play out Saturday night in Death Valley. Moving forward, you have Tulane taking on Tulsa. Tulane looking to continue to keep rolling and moving forward. Tulsa's a scrappy ball club. Their record doesn't really reflect it. Um, they're a pretty good team, but if Tulane continues to play at the level they are capable of, then they should come out of this game with a win and continue to push forward. And they're making a run in the rankings. Now, I don't know if they'd be able to find their way into a, one of those BCS, or not BCS anymore, but, you know, one of those um, New Year's Six Bowl games. But, again, one of those teams in the group of five has to get in. So I, if Tulane can continue to win games and, you know, even possibly win the conference – they're in the conversation. Well, I, I think that uh, you know this game's a really, really tough game for them. I look for this game as a trap game. Uh, I hope it's I hope it's not. But they haven't played well at Tulsa in the past. Or just a couple of years ago, they missed a chip shot field goal where they could have won the game. And that's got to be back in some of the, the players' mind. I think there's a lot of uh, press right now going their way about being ranked and things of that nature. Um, I just think they can't jump the gun on all this the prospects of running the table, because I don't know if they're good enough to do that, but they are a good football team. 
And uh, they're, they're well-coached football team. They're still going to need a couple breaks along the way. But I, I really watch, I, I really think this is a game that they have to watch out for. It's a trap game. If they can get this one and maybe another one, one thing, I'll, I'll throw this out there right now that I've said this, uh, Coach Fritz could be a hot item. With all the job openings, you saw what happened at Auburn today, with all the job openings out there, no telling where, where this game could take him. And I, I completely agree. And he's – we talked with him earlier this season. He's a proven winner. He's won at every level he's coached, regardless, high school, college, junior college level. He's been a proven commodity. He's built up Tulane to being a contender, and they've, they've had a fantastic year. They'll look to continue that and hopefully get past this Tulsa ball club, as you mentioned, possibly being a, a trap game where it's set up in the schedule. Next up. We have Nichols State, who uh, dropped a tough one to Lamar. Of course, we're going to talk to Coach Rebo uh, in our, our next segment. But um, Nichols just, again, having having a rough go this season and trying to find their way to at least build some momentum to the future. They feel, you know, they, they do build from the ground up. They've taken a lot of these local high school guys and, and coach them up. And, you know, it's – this is definitely an outlier of a season, Coach. This is not the norm for them. No, this is this. They're having a little bit of off season right there, but you know, uh, everything's in place. Everything's in place. I mean, they just have to have to play a little bit better, and they need to get some of those turnovers to go their way. And uh, you know, turnover margin we talked about is huge. And when you turn over the football, it's hard to overcome that. But it, it changes the momentum of the game so much. And so if they can stay away from, from those turnovers and, and explosive plays, they, they'll be fine down the road. But yet, uh, you know, uh, I think what you, what you tell your team right now this time in the locker room, guys, keep your head down and just keep working as hard as you possibly can. Good things will happen to you. But when you start to read the papers and listen to voices on the outside, then all of a sudden they start to question one another and they lose their confidence. And let's go ahead and take a look at the New Orleans Saints, Coach, as they pull off a big win this past weekend. They defeated the Las – I can't get used to saying it, but the Las Vegas Raiders 24 to nothing. Uh, what, what are your thoughts on this ball club moving forward? You're still one game out of first place in, in the division, but it, it seems like you've got to continue to build out after this win. I, I loved everything about the game. I mean, the Raiders didn't cross didn't cross the fifty yard line till late in the fourth quarter. That's unbelievable in, in the NFL when you got Derek Carr quarterback and you got the uh, Jacobs that running back. Uh, they have they have great receivers. I mean, that's unbelievable in the NFL. You look for them to bounce back. But yet on the flip side, solid win for the Saints. Special teams, offense, defense, uh, great win. Coach uh, uh, Andy Dalton, I mean, he looked like a Hall of Famer in that, in that ball game, throwing a short pass. Not only short passes, he found Camaro. That was important. But when he was third and long, he, he threw some great out routes and, and, uh, and, and on, the, on the dime. What I like about him, I think he's got a, a presence of the game. And, uh, you know, he was much maligned two weeks ago for one of his interceptions, went right through the receiver's hand and it was a pick six. Well, that's not the quarterback's fault when, when those things take place, you know. So the quarterback gets to blame in, in, in NFL because it is a quarterback. It is a quarterback league. We all understand that. But look for them to really get hot and get on the roll here. Now, they got a tough one this week uh, you know, against the Ravens, but look for them to get on the roll. And uh, they still can be a contender in, 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 in that particular division. And I'll do it for our first segment. We're going to go ahead and take a break in just a moment. But when we come back, we're going to be talking with Nickel State head football coach Tim Rebo. Before we do that, we want to head, go ahead and thank our title sponsor, 
for sponsoring the Let's Be Frank video podcast, Accardo Dufresne Law Firms, Samuel Accardo Jr. and R.E.P. Dufresne, your go-to River Parish lawyers, experience, tenacity, and results. Sammy Accardo and R.E.P. Dufresne provide comprehensive legal services in in personal injury, hurricane claims, business litigation, successions, and estate planning. Our trial experience, know-how, and commitment to protect and serve our clients is unparalleled. We provide complete real estate, title, and escrow services through our affiliate state title LLC. The River Parish is our home, and serving our communities is our passion. Samuel Licardo Jr. and R.E.P. Dufresne, your go-to River Parish lawyers. Experience, tenacity, and results. Sammy Accardo and Ari Dufresne provide comprehensive legal services in personal injury, hurricane claims, business litigation, successions, and estate planning. Our trial experience, know-how, and commitment to protect and serve our clients is unparalleled. We provide complete real estate, title, and escrow services through our affiliate, State Title LLC. The River Parishes is our home, and serving our communities is our passion. Based out of Gramercy, Louisiana, LSR produces Southern Cane Pure Cane Sugar, which is only grown, refined, and packaged in Louisiana. LSR utilizes the latest innovations in technology, as well as ensuring the growth and stability of Louisiana sugarcane farmers by integrating more than 800 growers in the industry's economic structure. Southern Cane is available in your local associated grocers and Rouse's supermarkets. Since 1972, Riverlands Insurance Services has been dedicated to securing the best insurance products and services available to protect you, your family, your assets, and your business. Our goal has been to establish a strong relationship and partnership between you, the insurance company, and our agency, creating a circle of success that prepares for disasters before they actually happen. Starting in 1981 as an industrial vacuum truck company, A3M Vacuum Services has grown to be an industry leader in waste disposal services. Whether it's providing cleanup crews for plant maintenance or emergency crews for environmental cleanup and disposable projects around the river parishes and New Orleans, A3M Vacuum Services maintains the same level of personal customer relations and work ethic that founder Pat Sellers started almost 40 years ago. Proud supporters of Comet Athletics. If you're looking for commercial or residential dump truck services, go with R&K Construction. This family-owned and operated business has great trucks and are big supporters of high school sports. Smoothie King LaPlace thanks the community for 29 years. Through the good times and the toughest times, Smoothie King has been here to serve our guests. Whether you're looking for a keto-friendly smoothie, a recovery smoothie, or a healthy, refreshing snack, Smoothie King has you covered. Discover all the ways to be your best self and rule the day with Smoothie King. If you're in need of storage space at your home or business, stop by and visit with the good folks at Acadia LLC. Seth Boudreaux and his employees are there weekdays from 9 a.m. to 5 p.m. and Saturdays from 9 a.m. to 2 p.m. Give them a shout at 985-359-1333 or visit them at 1301 West Airline Highway in Laplace. Tonight, our special guest played baseball at Southeastern Louisiana, coached at Destran High School before joining the the college coaching ranks, and coached at ULM, ULL, and is the current head coach at Nichols State University. We'd like to bring on head coach Tim Rebo. Coach, thank you so much for joining us and uh, taking time out of your busy schedule. Coach, you know, you spent your entire coaching career in Louisiana. 
You grew up in Louisiana. What has that meant to you being able to coach here? And why have you not decided to venture out into other places? Man, what a great state and just a hotbed for football and just the relationships that you make along the way. The people have been fantastic here. Uh, You know, going from high school to college, all around the state, North Louisiana, South Louisiana, uh, there's no better place to coach. Coach, you know, uh, thanks again. Uh, Let me echo what Jason just said. Uh, Thank you so much for doing this. I know you're busy and um, not a great time, but, uh, you know, um, I think that I think that People need to know about Tim Rebo, about how you're an excellent head coach because of your demeanor. Uh, the players really, really love you. Uh, the guys that have worked for you really enjoy working for you. I think you got, you know, you got a, a lot going on. And I know that you just built a new building, Coach. Can you tell the people about your new facility that you just completed, first of all? Yeah, Coach, thanks for having me, man. This is a pleasure for me to be here. And, you know, when you look at uh, this week, it really comes at a good time because it is an open date week for us. Um, and, uh, you know, I wish we were in a little better mood. I wish we had a little better record going on right now, but uh, it's still good to be here. And yeah, you know, we, we got here. It's, it's hard to believe already, Coach, eight years that we've been here. Uh, we were just talking about that the other day. It seemed like it was yesterday. And uh, for, for the facilities that we have, uh, some people came up and stepped up to the plate because, you know, they saw we were having some success and we were building something very special. And, you know, we got some involved in the state. We had some politicians involved, Norby Schaber. Uh, and then we had some uh, personal uh, donors. Uh, Trey Bookball stepped up and, and put a tremendous amount of money into the program. And now we have one of the state of, state-of-the-art facilities in FCS football. Coach, I remember way back when. Tim, I, need to, I couldn't remember. Did you finish playing with Jesse Russo or was it was, uh, exactly um, – was it was – it, um, who's the head coach at the time? Was it – is it Skipper? No, Coach, you know, it was funny. Yeah, it was funny because we started – I had – Coach Jesse was like my first year uh, when, you know, and then it became a sophomore year when I was that. And then Danny Russo actually took over my junior year. You remember Coach Danny? Right. And then and then Chipper Simon took over the senior year. So I had like three head coaches my, my three years of varsity football at Destrahan. I didn't realize that. People don't realize you played for the state championship as a coach at Destrahan. Uh, you're a very successful uh, baseball coach also, uh, and, and you had, your background was tremendous and as far as that. And then you won, you go to Nickel State, you took a program that was fledging, uh, you know, and, and you, you were, I think you replaced Charlie Stokes. And then after that, uh, you actually ended up winning two conference championships. And, and uh, I know this year hadn't gone well for you, but, but Coach, you've done a, a great job in, in everything that you've done, everything that you've touched. And like I said, the attitude and, and the, just the excitement around Nickel State is something like I haven't seen in a long time. Because as you know, I'm alumnus from there, but it's really, really good because people talk about Nickel State football now. And uh, Coach, can you elaborate on just a little bit on, on some of the local players that you might have? I know you got a couple from St. Charles Catholic and a couple of others on the River Parish. Yeah, Coach, you know, when we took over this program a couple of years ago, we, we look, I'm, I'm going to make a little bit of a joke. The only way to go was up. You know, it had been down. And, uh, we, you know, I've learned from so many different people on some things how to do. You being included, one of them, a kind of mentor, uh, things that you've done along the way. And I was always go to you and asking questions. And, you know, I appreciate that so much. And um, we, we just took a program that was down. And I, I did it with a bunch of local guys, a bunch of local coaches. And we said, hey, we can be successful at this place if we just, you know, do things the right way, treat people the right way, and get the right kids in the program. 
And uh, when you talk about the right kids in the program, we, we said this, there's so many uh, kids in this local area that, that know how to play football. And, uh, you know, when I was here, Coach, I was an assistant coach for six years in the 90s. And we would always go other places to recruit and look for players. And I was like, man, we got players all in the area. Everybody comes to South Louisiana to recruit. Why do we need to go somewhere else? So uh, we, we did. We stuck local. We built these relationships and, and got some good players. And we would always go through the River Parishes and get the best players uh, from St. Charles, from Destrehan, from Hornville. Uh, we got East St. John. And, and, man, who can forget about Lutcher, perhaps one of the greatest players we got in Sully Lesh. So uh, we got a lot of players. We got some kids from St. Charles. We had the Lloyd Nashes. We got Bryce Altamont. Uh, we got Evan Russell, you know, we, I know we got Caden Jones from last year. So that's just the name of a few of the players that's, that's on our roster from the local area. Coach, uh, uh, you know, uh, I always enjoyed when you came down to sit, we actually had some heart-to-heart talks, and I really enjoyed that when you came recruiting. But one thing I think you and your staff have done, you took football players. You didn't care about their size, their dimensions, and their vitals. You took football players. You, you just mentioned Southern Les. You know, Southern Les, a 5'10", 5'11", defensive lineman uh, coming out of Lutcher High School, was just a phenomenal guy that most people, they had a double team. They, they couldn't block him. Then you take a, a Monty Morton right there, a corner that's, mm-hmm. that's undersized a little bit. He ends up being a, a great corner for you. Uh, just a tribute to your, your success as, as an evaluator in high school players. Yeah, we, we looked at that and we said, hey, if, if guys can do it on Friday night, we felt like they can do it on Saturday night. And we had to target guys that we knew we could recruit and some guys that knew we could get. Look, everybody knows the, uh, the five stars and the four stars, which I'm not a big fan of the stars anyway. But, you know, everybody knows those players. I, I, my hat's off to our coaching staff that, that we put together that knew uh, good football players, uh, and, and, knew, and knew what they look like, you know, that can fit into our system and play. And, Coach, a good friend of mine, Tom Ganey, who you know, who coached at Nichols, he used to always say when, when a guy makes a tackle and, and he stands up, they don't, they don't measure how tall he is. Or if he scores a touchdown, they don't say, oh, he's five foot nine or five foot eight. All he does is they make plays. Uh, and we kind of stick to that. We're just going to try to be- get the best football players that can fit into our system, guys that want to be here uh, and, and want to be successful. Well, Coach, it's a, it's the, right now, it, the, the transfer portal, uh, you and I talked about this during the, during the Manning camp and might add that, you know, you really extend the university and all your facilities to the Mannings, and I know they appreciate that. It's, it's a great, great venue. Uh, it's, it's nationally known, if not internationally known, and, and you're there. But we talk about that all the time. And we talked about that transfer portal, how sometimes a kid comes to your place and you make that kid, all of a sudden he becomes a, a good athlete and he's, he, it's, every, other people are trying to recruit that guy. Can you talk about that transfer portal deal just a little bit? Yeah, you know, I, I'm not a huge fan of it, Coach. And, I, 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 you know, that and the NILs, is, I think it's hurting college football. But, you know, it, but if you don't adjust to it and you don't adapt to it, you're going to get left behind. So, you know, whether I like it or not, it looks like it's here to stay. Uh, but we still have to go out and, and we feel like get some good high school football players uh, locally from the area, develop them. And then in, in two years, if they play in on the field and somebody wants to come and get them, hopefully we can try to convince them to stay. But it, it's going to be hard if some of the big boys come knocking on your door. It's almost like, uh, FCS football is going to become 
almost like the minor leagues in baseball. You know, they're going to come. They're going to come get them. And if they want them, I don't know if there's much you can do about it. We've lost a couple over the last uh, few years. But, but we're going to continue to do that. We're still going to recruit local. And hopefully we can convince some of those guys to stay. Uh, exactly. Said, you know, Coach Selfo, of course, as you know, we're all good friends. And Coach Selfo said, I want, yeah. to build, I want to build my program like Tim Rebo built his program with local kids. And the first thing he did, I think he took his coaches and he went into New Orleans, the River Paris and Baton Rouge area. And he started to do that. And, I, I you know, his program has really, really upgraded itself just like yours. So so you kind of set the example for all that. Look, uh, Coach Self has done an outstanding job and what he's done over there. And, you know, it's made it harder for us, Coach, because, you know, the staff that was there before, they, they wasn't in the high schools. They were going and getting uh, junior colleges and transfers from all over from California. So now when you go and you're recruiting against Southeastern and the success that he has, it's made us tough. But it's also made it into a really, really good rivalry for us. And, you know, we're looking forward to that, playing them in the next couple of weeks. No, no question. Coach, uh, you, your brother was a heck of a football player, you know, Rusty, and I'm still mad at him because he beat me for a state championship <laughs> at, at, at Lecture High School way, way back when. Uh, they were also a team, but he was also an All-American linebacker for uh, for Nickel State, and just a little older than you, uh, but but he was a heck of a player, remember? But, but tell him I'm still mad at him. Would you do that? Coach, Coach, it's funny because I was a ball boy on the sideline in that game. I remember it. Uh, and they tried to kick me off the sideline, and it was like, no way, this, he, he's with us. Uh, I remember that game well. And, look, he was a heck of a player, uh, All-American here. And he, he's my biggest fan, the biggest supporter, uh, comes to all the games. You know, his, his name is legendary uh, around Nichols and around football in the state of Louisiana. Yeah, he actually played some ball for the Saints also. But he was a, he had one of the most instinctive linebacks I've ever seen uh, in, in my life. Coach, of the uh, um, right now – the, your prospects now, what's, what's, up, what's in the future, and how do you go about right now? I know as a coach, I've been there. When we were at, we were at Tulane, uh, I tell the story all the time. When I was at Tulane, we, we, had, we played for so many homecoming games, we had to build our own floor. So, <laughs> so, so I kind of know, know what you're going through right now, but the only thing you can possibly do is just line up and keep, you know, keep your head down and keep working just like you've always had. Yeah, it, it, it was tough, Coach. The start of the season was very tough. I didn't realize how tough it was going to be. Uh, the injury bug hit us a little bit, but, hey, it, it hits everybody. You got to go on, and we got to plug some guys in. Uh, we just got to keep fighting. We got to keep punching. We, we got a formula that we think, and, and I say we and the staff, that we know it's successful. We, we know it's been proven. Uh, we got to continue to battle. We, we end all of the games now that we're playing. Uh, it, it's been tough, but, you know, the open day, we, we, we can regroup, get some guys back, and go win these next two. No, no, no question, Coach. But, Coach Rebo, that I can't thank you enough for, for being with us, bud. I, I know you you got a busy schedule, and you have your own family and, and uh, things of that nature. And please, uh, you know, whenever you get a chance, please drop by. And, and remember, I'm still available for, um, for lunch Monday through Friday. <laughs> yeah, Coach, and, and since you retired, you bring your checkbook too, okay? Well, you, you, you're buying <laughs> Coach, listen, I want to say I want to thank you, man. I want to thank, really, everything you've done uh, for, for high school football, college football, too, because I watched you as a, as a coach when you came to Tul uh, when you were at Tulane and you came recruit at Destrahan. I watched how you interacted uh, with everybody and how you treated people. And, really, I learned a lot from you. And, and I do respect all the, and the success you had, a, a tremendous, and what you did at Lutcher and what you did uh, at Jesuit, what you did at St. Charles. I can't say enough, man. I want to thank you 
publicly for that. And know this, you're always welcome. Uh, come on, come, come to practice. Come on the sideline. Listen, I'll give you the whistle. Call the plays. Uh, we'd love to see you. No, thank you, Coach. That's really nice of you to say that, just like I wrote it. You know, <laughs> <laughs> take right. care of yourself. Please tell the wife hello for me, would you, please? And, and the kids. All right, thank Coach. Thank you so much. Thank coach. you. Good luck. I appreciate, thank you, coach. I appreciate everything. Table. Thank you, guys. We want to once again thank Coach Tim Rebo for joining us and taking time out of his busy schedule. Coming up next, we're going to be talking about NIL in Football 101. We'll talk about screen passes. You know, thanks for the memory segment. We'll talk about the Louisiana Football Coaches Association, and we'll have our locks of the week. But before we head to break, we want to thank our sponsor, LSR, for being a sponsor of the Let's Be Frank video podcast. LSR produces Southern Cane Pure Cane Sugar, which is only grown, refined, and packaged in Louisiana. Southern Cane is available in your local associated grocers and Ross supermarkets. Samuel Licardo Jr. and Henri P. Dufresne, your go-to River Parish lawyers. Experience, tenacity, and results. Sammy Accardo and Ari Dufresne provide comprehensive legal services in personal injury, hurricane claims, business litigation, successions, and estate planning. Our trial experience, know-how, and commitment to protect and serve our clients is unparalleled. We provide complete real estate, title, and escrow services through our affiliate, State Title LLC. The River Parishes is our home, and serving our communities is our passion. Based out of Gramercy, Louisiana, LSR produces Southern Cane Pure Cane Sugar, which is only grown, refined, and packaged in Louisiana. LSR utilizes the latest innovations in technology, as well as ensuring the growth and stability of Louisiana sugarcane farmers by integrating more than 800 growers in the industry's economic structure. Southern Cane is available in your local associated grocers and Rouse's supermarkets. Since 1972, Riverlands Insurance Services has been dedicated to securing the best insurance products and services available to protect you, your family, your assets, and your business. Our goal has been to establish a strong relationship and partnership between you, the insurance company, and our agency, creating a circle of success that prepares for disasters before they actually happen. Starting in 1981 as an industrial vacuum truck company, A3M Vacuum Services has grown to be an industry leader in waste disposal services. Whether it's providing cleanup crews for plant maintenance or emergency crews for environmental cleanup and disposable projects around the river parishes and New Orleans, A3M Vacuum Services maintains the same level of personal customer relations and work ethic that founder Pat Sellers started almost 40 years ago. Proud supporters of Comet Athletics. If you're looking for commercial or residential dump truck services, go with RK Construction. This family owned and operated business has great trucks and are big supporters of high school sports. Smoothie King LaPlace thanks the community for 29 years. Through the good times and the toughest times, Smoothie King has been here to serve our guests. Whether you're looking for a keto-friendly smoothie, a recovery smoothie, or a healthy, refreshing snack, Smoothie King has you covered. Discover all the ways to be your best self and rule the day with Smoothie King. If you're in need of storage space at your home or business, stop by and visit with the good folks at Acadia LLC. Seth Boutron and his employees are there weekdays from 9 a.m. to 5 p.m. and Saturdays from 9 a.m. to 2 p.m. Give them a shout at 985-359-1333 or visit them at 1301 West Airline Highway in Laplace. Laplace. 
Welcome back to our third and final segment. This is the Let's Be Frank segment. Before we do that, we want to thank Riverlands Insurance for sponsoring the Let's Be Frank video podcast. Since 1972, Riverlands Insurance Services has been dedicated to securing the best insurance products and services available to protect you, your family, your assets, and your business. Our goal has always been to establish a strong relationship and partnership between you, the insurance company, and our agency, creating a circle of success that prepares for disasters before they actually happen. So we're going to go ahead and go into our Let's Be Frank segment where Coach Monica wants to talk about name, image, and likeness as it relates to everything. It's now in the high, Louisiana high schools as well as in colleges. So, Coach, what are your thoughts and feelings on NIL? Well, just, first of all, let me, let me say this. As, uh, if this sounds unorganized, it, it's because it is, okay? Because I'll be, I'll be jumping around here. Basically, what we've done, NIL package itself and the NCAA level, uh, you know, every, every athlete is full scholarship athlete. They already get room, board, tuition, uh, everything, uh, training room facility, everything but pizza money from, uh, from the scholarship. Uh, but the, now they, they actually get, they, they get money from, from the university for living expenses aside from that. Uh, some that qualify for Pell Grant get, get, get money for that. And all that goes to the kids. They're no longer student athletes. Uh, they're, now, they're now employees of the university. Uh, and, and, and what about all the taxes and that? So what's this create on the field? And, uh, we're trying to create this level playing field, but uh, this is certainly not doing it. And, you know, no one really has the answer about this, about where it's going. I talked to a coach the other day. Every one of the players that's on scholarship in football it makes 60000 a year, 60000 That's not even NLL money. The university is paying that 60000 a year. So at the end of, of, of his ten- tenure, that kid can put in the bank 300000 because everything else is paid by the university. Uh, the, he, he, he eats on the, on the training table. Uh, he gets, you know, he gets free, uh, free lodging. Uh, so everything is paid there. So, um, you know, what happens, though, to a kid like Miles Brennan? Okay, where's his contract go? He leaves the team. Does he carry that contract with him? If he signed a contract, he certainly does. If he if he did not, he quit the team. Uh, does he give it back to the university? What's happened in those cases? There's so many gray uh, gray areas and a lot of questions that have not been been actually uh, answered by by a lot of the coaches and the people involved with this thing. Um, and what happens to if a coach? I mean, a player comes up to a coach and says, "Coach, I cannot be at practice today because I have a speaking engagement um, for this particular endorsement." that I have and, and stuff like that. So well, the, the coach is, is he's not going to have very, very much power over this guy. So uh, what we've done, you know, we, we crossed lines and they're actually doing this for the, for the girls program too. So I said, wait a minute. I mean, the university is picking up the tab. They're picking up the tab, their dollar, and this guy's actually going on the university's dollar. And, and many of them are not going to get their degree. So what have we done? I mean, we, we, we've given the athletes a, the freedom to go out there and make money. Uh, I, I look at this thing as, as, as the future. It's, there's no level playing field anymore. Um, you know, I, I really don't know. I mean, uh, COVID came up and some guys were hiding behind a COVID to say I'm not playing. Other guys were, had these bogus injuries and said I'm, I'm not playing. Um, you know, the, the, I, I don't understand it. They get the, 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 none of them are graduating. 
uh, they, they're taking their money and they, they're going into pros. And, you know, when I played college baseball, uh, I was on scholarship. The full scholarship was $15 a month for laundry, $15 a month. That's all you got. But you enjoyed the chance that you're going to get a, an education out of it if you stayed there for the, the entire time of, your, of your, your scholarship, through the entire duration of it. Um, but now we're, we're, paying, we're paying guys to be professionals. And that's what they've become. So they've become free agents. So now we have free agency in, in, in college. And this is sifted down into high schools. There are many high school guys, some of these elite blue chippers, are now actually getting endorsements from, from different people. Uh, where is this going to, going to stop? Uh, you know, I, 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 really, I really don't understand. You know, here are guys that they go work out for all these pro clubs. And uh, when they're being, they know they're going to be drafted, so they're registered in school. They train at the school. They still live in the dormitory. They still eat at the training table by the school, and they don't go to class. And so I don't understand it. So there's no such thing. Don't tell me some, there's a student athlete anymore. These guys are nothing but a form system uh, that 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 uh, they have now that we've instituted in our colleges. And um, so you know, only thing you have to do now they, they're not going to get a degree. So all these college football players, baseball, basketball players, whoever they are, only thing they, they need to do is learn how to operate a calculator because that's all they need to do. It's I think it's totally unfair for a guy to play at a school for a couple of years and then leave that school, leave the school. When that school recruited him, trained him, and, and nurtured him along, and got him ready for that next level. So uh, the, the the thing is, a, a college athlete anymore, student athlete, that term needs to be stricken from the, from the NCAA books because now we created we created professional players on the high school and the college level. And what you're seeing at the high school level as well, and it's now become legalized in Louisiana, but in other states, we've seen some student athletes say, "Look, I'm not going to play my senior year." And that's, that's a major issue when, you talk, when you're talking about high school athletes sitting out their senior season to, for endorsement deals, but they're making branding, licensing, and equipment and, and gear. That's my concerns when you have at the high school level for sure. That's a really young age to be dealing in that murky gray area, and it's becoming more and more relevant. We talk to young kids now, even in high school, the conversation is the league. The conversation is the league, especially in, in college. It's the league. How do I get in the league? What do I have to do to get in the league? Because they know that's where their quick money is. And, uh, but that, that, that's in, in basketball, it's even it's even worse. And, um, you know, baseball, I think I like their system because at least you have a, uh, you have a system of a class A, double A, triple A that you have to earn and get your way there. But nowadays, what's happened, uh, Jason, we just taken we just taken the student athlete out of the game. And um, like I said, uh, it's not fair to the person that has to pay his way and say, wait a minute now, I had to pay my way to get, to get my education. And this guy here, how many are going to go back to get that degree? Uh, I would venture to say very few. All right, Coach, and we're going to go ahead and move on to our Football 101 segment where you want to focus on screen passes this weekend. Coach, can you break down screen passes for the listeners at home? Right. Uh, Jason, a lot of people, they watch plays on, on television and this is not just for just for the ladies, but um, I used to tell my players screens are nice like snowflakes. There's no two alike, and there are different types of screens. And I'll try to elaborate what, what exactly is a screen. So what is a screen pass? So wait a minute, what's the difference between a pass and a screen pass? A screen pass is when the ball is basically thrown to a back or receiver tight end behind the line of scrimmage, and the lineman 
or allowed to go downfield. Now, that was not the case years ago. Linemen couldn't go downfield on the screen pass, but now they can. So that's really, really opened up the, 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 this game totally. Uh, I know defensive coaches don't like it because there's a ball thrown here. There's a big 290-pound lineman right in your face making the block. So there's different types of screens. I would elaborate a little bit on that. First is the slow screen. A slow screen is where a back, the quarterback will drop back in his normal spot. And then he, then he would take some other steps backwards to invite the defense to come forward. Um, and the linemen will wait two counts. They'll, go, they'll count to themselves 1,001, 1,002 go, and then they'll leave. And the timing of that is a reflection of where the, when the, the offensive line will move. So it has to be timed out with the quarterback. He just dumps the ball off with a short pass. It's an easy completion, maybe 10 yards at best, and he follows his line and follows the blocks down the field. That's called a slow screen. Now, and the other one is called a middle screen. Just like slow screen, the quarterback will take his normal five-step drop, which is at seven yards. He stands on the spot, allows them to, to rush to that spot, and then he'll try to dump the ball over their head to a tight end or back that's just waiting right behind the line. He has to be a good actor. He has to be like a decoy. And that's called a middle screen. But that's also a form of slow screen with a two-second delay. And then you get into what we call the wide receiver screen that you people see. Some people call them the jailbreak screen. Some people call them the flash screen. Some people call them wide receiver screen. And that's when the, that's when the linemen... Just they just hit for one count and they go out to to the secondary and they block the secondary people. Now secondary people don't really get blocked out there, but they get screened or shield. You throw the ball, the receiver takes three steps down the field, then he comes back to the line of scrimmage. Quarterback hits him, and the lineman and maybe another receiver are into the secondary, and they try to come inside and run behind him. So they're told to, to actually come back towards the line of scrimmage and um, and, and go upfield. So all these are legal right here. So that's called a, 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 a wide receiver screen. Then you have what's known as a slip screen. A slip screen is a one-count delay by the lineman. Some people call it a swing screen. And the, the guys just swing. The, the back is on, on the snap of the ball. He just swings and flares out to the right or left, the quarterback just takes the ball, hurry up and flips it out there to that back with the lineman in front. That's called a slip screen or a, a swing screen. Now, there are a lot of variations, a lot of names of that uh, that I'm covering, but basically this is this is this is what they're called. Then you have what they call the double screen. A double screen is, based on the coverage, the quarterback can look to his right or to his left. Double screen is you might have a slip screen to one side and you might have the wide receiver screen to the other. The double screen is very, very effective. Because if, if the quarterback sees like man, he might throw it to the receiver side. If he sees a zone, he might throw it to the slip screen side. So very, very effective plays. A lot of guys, Drew Brees and, and Sean Payton, made a living on a lot of screens. And that really helps your passing percentage because they, they should be completions. And then uh, the, one of the final ones is what they call a hit screen. This is one that doesn't involve the lineman at all. All it is is the receiver's blocking on the perimeter and you throw it to a different for receiver, whether it's the number one receiver outside or the number two, and they block for one another. And there are ways that you can run it. Sometimes it's the number two receiver that does a little whirly bird technique. Sometimes the outside guy. But these are high, highly effective plays. You see them every Saturday and Sunday and um, on, on television. A lot of people use them. And, um, and they're really, really good because it negates maybe a bad offensive line. And maybe you're, taking, you're getting guys out on the perimeter that can make people miss tackles. So the screen game is a very, very, very big part of a high school, college, and, and pro football. Thanks, Coach. And we're going to go ahead and move on to our Blitz the Ball Coach segment, where somebody gets to ask you one of their hard-hitting questions. 
Coach, uh, the question for this week is, what is your favorite memory as a high school athlete? That's a, that's a, that's a great question, Jason. I've never been asked that for a long, long time. I mean, uh, you know, I was very fortunate. I played at Reserve High School. As a, I was a guard and a linebacker. I ended up being a, um, selected as, as an all-state player back, back then. A lot of people don't, don't know that. And, uh, but you didn't leave the field back then. You didn't leave the field. You played special teams and um, you played a lot of things. But I, I, I remember that, that uh, I'm not proud of, but I'm, I'm going to say this, Jason. I, was, I always wanted to, to be a running back. I was coming into high school, but I saw an opportunity uh, that, that I could get on the field because only 33 guys were carried at the time. Coach Joe Keller only carried 33 guys. He only had 33 uniforms. That was it. He only had th 33 helmets, 33 gold, uh, uh, shoulder pads, 33 jockstraps. That's it. So, I mean, and I, so I, uh, by making the team as a sophomore, it, um, it, it, was, it, was pretty, it was pretty refreshing. And a lot of my guys, a lot of my teammates um, that went out for the team didn't make it. So anyway, but there was one particular game I was playing linebacker. And, um, and I always wanted to get my hands on the ball because I was, a, I guess, you know, I, I wanted to be that running back, you know. And also I jumped up for the pass and I intercepted this pass. We were playing Slidell at the time. And when I caught it, I wanted to run so badly, my feet were moving in the air so fast that the first thing that hit the ground was my face. So it was kind of an embarrassing moment and all the team kind of laughed at me in terms of what had happened. But I was elated that I caught it, but I fell right on, right on my face. And, but uh, I will say another quick memory. Um, my senior year, we beat LaRose Cutoff back then. Uh, LaRose Cutoff was, was um, we beat them at reserve 7-6. They went on to win the, the state championship and we, didn't. we got beat at the second round of the playoffs. And uh, by a Morgan City team in the mud, and uh, so one of the great members was beating the Rose Cutoff seven six because they became the state champion. And to this day, I still think about that game. Thanks, Coach. I mean, so we talked a lot about your college career and your coaching career, but never get a chance to really talk about your high school career. So it's awesome to to hear about some of those memories that you have. Yeah, so, Coach, um, now we're going to go ahead and move on to the thanks for the memory segment where you're going to discuss the Louisiana Football Coaches Association. Right. The, um, Jason, way back in 1986, when I was coaching at uh, Jesuit High School, we had an all-district all meeting where we select all-district team. And while at the meeting, the guys were talking about basketball, and they were, they were, they were talking about uh, uh, what was going on with, with baseball and stuff like that. And most of these guys were also ADs. And, uh, and I had just left Tulane, so it was my first year at Jesuit, and we were talking, and Coach Bobby Conlon, who used to be Brother Morton, who, who uh, passed away, and uh, Bobby said, man, we, we need a football association. And I said, what do you mean, a football association? I said, we have the Louisiana uh, 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 LHSA Coach Association. What a lot of people don't realize, Jason, is that the Louisiana Coach Association is all coaches, all sports, but we didn't have one for football. And baseball had one, track had one, basketball had one and, and soccer had one and we didn't have one so I said what so right away what I decided to do I said well I called a meeting I called some of my friends and um, and, and we had a meeting and uh, we had a series of meetings and, and our original board was a kind of a who's who of coaches and 
And uh, so we, uh, Red Franklin came all the way down from Haynesville, and Bob Grow, who's at who's at uh, Central Foods at the time, Charlie Baglio, who ended up taking it over after I left it from from Independence, he became the president. Louis Cook was on my original original staff. Um, C. J. Alexander was at Downsonville back then. Tim Dutay at, at Lutcher, who's who's still involved in it as we as we talk. Uh, Willis Deli, who's at uh, University High. Um, we had Rome Evans, who's a, a guy that actually put the, together a booklet for us. Uh, we had Robert Welch, who's uh, from um, Fort J. High School, and Tony Masita, who retired. He became our, our secretary. So we met at different places. And in fact, we, my wife, Nancy, she typed the Constitution to this, this new thing. And the whole purpose of it was to keep football strong. In the mission statement at the beginning of the Constitution, it says to keep football strong. Because you see what happens to football, Jason, a lot of people pick away at it. Well, you got the somewhat the, the baseball guys over here, then you got basketball guys over that kind of pick away at football. And the, the you know, the LSA handbook is, is mostly mostly directed towards football and, and stuff like that. And so what we did to get it going, we had our first clinic. And the first clinic was held at LSU Fieldhouse. And um, we had every head coach in the state and the college to be there. Mike Archer was the coach at, at LSU at that time. Mac Brown was the coach at Tulane at that time. Eddie Robinson was at Grambling at, at that time. Uh, coach Kaysen was at, was at Southern. So we had every coach represented from Southeastern, uh, McNeese, and Louisiana Tech. We had all 10 schools represented at this thing. We drew over 300 coaches. And right away, the LHSA said, wait a minute, this will be a viable group. And from that time, Tommy Henry stepped in and said, hey, why don't we do the clinic from now on at the state championship game, which they still do. So what's the function of the with the LSCA? Uh, right now, their function, they, they still have an all-state all all game um, that they had put on. They put on an all-star game that is funded by them. They give out scholarships. They now give 12 scholarships uh, a year, and that's $1,200 a piece to anybody that has a son or daughter that's a LFCA coach. When Coach Bagley took over, he went to Coach DiNardo and said, Coach, I got these group. What Coach DiNardo did was something very unique. He allowed anybody that had an LFCA card, Louisiana football coach card, get into the LSU game with two tickets. And that was a big thing. So what, what had happened at that time, everything kind of, everybody, it exploded as far as the membership was concerned. But those guys were pioneers, those guys that took a lot of time, because uh, we met a lot of time on our own just to kind of get this thing going. It's now a very, very flourishing uh, organization. I'm very proud to say that you know, I, I was part of it right now. And, um, it, and the whole purpose of it is to keep football strong because, uh, you know, there's a Pac-Man mentality going on where everybody's kind of picking away a little bit. The other sports pick away a little bit at, at football. Uh, but I might say that we could do a better job because we need to stick together. A lot of times football coaches are splintered and say, this won't be good for my program. But if we can stick together, this could be a very, very powerful organization. It's now in the, 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 the tutelage of Coach Bagley retired. Because uh, Dwayne Jenkins is now the, the president of it, and he has a real, real fine active board. They still put on that clinic every year, and they do a lot of things. Um, they're, they're about ready to, to do some things in the Superdome for the Classic also, and, and spend some of the some of the money there. Um, when Coach when Coach Bagley took it over, uh, I had to step down because when I, when I went to Tulane, what had happened? It was a conflict of interest. I could not be a college coach and also be in charge of this organization. I called the NCAA about it, and they said, I'm sorry, but you cannot, you cannot be a part of this organization. Uh, but I really regret that because 
uh, all these guys that I, I, I mentioned, um, you know, they were, they were great coaches. They were very successful coaches. People listened to them, and that's why we got them involved as, as being the first board. And uh, But right now, good luck to the Louisiana Football Coach Association, and, and, um, and, and I know better things are, are ahead. Thank you for sharing that story with us. And we're going to move on to our final segment of the night, which is going to be our locks of the week. Coach, where are you laying your money this week? Jason, I want you to know I won by – Eric texted me the other day. said, Coach, you won by a half a point because I had Florida. <laughs> and, uh, and and Wake Forest has been good to me, so I'm, I'm good for three in a row. And uh, But the people are not going to like me with this one, Jason. They're not going to like me. But I'm going to Alabama to come. Oh, Coach. <laughs> I'm, I'm going to actually go with what I – Coach, I'm shocked at this line. Um Tennessee is getting plus eight and a half against Georgia. Now I understand the game is on the road. I'm taking Tennessee with that one. I, I think this team, and again, you're talking about people not being happy with LSU fans. And I'm glad I worked at the radio station at KLSU sports director. People have all the reason to hate me after this comment, but this team has a resemblance to 2019 LSU. Now I'm not saying it's the same. I'm not saying it's better. It's a team that's kind of come out of nowhere they have an unstoppable offense. I don't think Georgia's defense is going to be able to stop Tennessee. They might be able to slow them down, but I see Tennessee not only covering, but outright winning this ball game. I think Tennessee is the team to beat this year. And as of right now, I don't, I don't know any team that can beat them at this moment in this point in time. Um, but that will do it for us, Coach. Any final thoughts before we get out of here? On the final thoughts, Jason, the World Series is one one And then one thing about the Phillies, um, even though Houston has all the pitching, the Phillies are very resilient. At the bottom of the lineup are scrappy. They just have to play every at-bat. looks like it's a real good at-bat, no quality at-bat. So I look for the Phillies to take this series. All right, and that'll do it from us here. So uh, let's go ahead and give our social medias before we head out. So remember, you can follow us on Facebook at the Let's Be Frank Video Podcast. And you can follow us on Twitter, Instagram, and TikTok at DLBF Podcast. Don't forget, you can also tune in on Varsity Sports Now, YouTube, and now on Spotify, Apple Podcasts, and just continue supporting and we do appreciate everybody for tuning in and that'll do it from here so for justin thomas for head coach frank monica i'm jason Duey, and remember let's lay bon ton and lay love the good time troll